Okay, guys, we'll open up for Q&A to uh, the Rosh Chodesh Adar Shi'or that we just had, which was about Yiddish and Mazal, Yiddish Allah. Ask the question, allow me to repeat it so that Mike can pick it up. Emptying the cup is allowing for logical blessings to fill, right? One of the practical things I talk to people that are involved with uh, non-Jewish boyfriends or girlfriends, and they tell me, yeah, but if I had a Jewish girlfriend, <laughs> it works the other way around. If you empty out the cup, there will be room for something new in it. So that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about emptying out the cup. Emptying out the cup is to bring in another eight ounces of something prettier and healthier. We're talking today not about the eight ounces of liquid in the cup. We're talking today about the ocean. We're talking about throwing the cup into the ocean. What you're talking about is a total different class. You're not talking about drawing the ocean into the cup, i.e. throw the cup into the ocean. You're talking about that the eight ounces that you have in your cup isn't exactly what you want but you're afraid to empty the cup before you have something else. But the problem is you can't fit another eight ounces in before you get rid of these eight ounces. That's a whole different class. That, I wouldn't waste Adar on that. Adar is far beyond that. Okay, so you're saying that I'm talking to you about blind faith. What I'm asking you maybe to open up is an eye beyond the eye of your mind. And that's why I introduced to you the Rebbe's amazing teaching, and I didn't even go through the whole thing, of how to engage with that. So blind faith can be very abusive. We didn't tell God, na'aseh. We said, na'aseh vinishma. We will do and we will hear. But the we will hear, we will be built on the we will do and not vice versa. Intellect built on faith and not faith built on intellect. So at some point, there is that blind moment of faith. I've shared the story here before. I'll share it again. The story where Amendel Futafas of blessed memory. He was in Siberia. Uh, I think it was 18 years for the criminal acts of running an underground cheder in Russia and all that stuff. Running mikvahs no under, under the K KGB regime, communist regime. And he was in prison with political prisoners who were there. They actually had a circus and they used their circus outfit going from place to place and they were political criminals. And uh, what happened was that one time, for whatever reason, that Mendel didn't tell us why. He just said that they don't even know why. But the ones in charge of the Siberia labor camp told the circus that you can go up and do your stuff. Put together a show for the rest of the gang. And they did it. So this one person that was very friendly with Ramendel told Ramendel, you know, I always glean off your gifts. Now there's a chance for you to see what I do well. Would you please come? And he looked at Ramendel and said, I know you're not going to come to the whole circus. But I, my shtick is the high wire walk. Can you at least come for that? He says, let me know when and I'll be there. No, after the show was over, he asked Amanda, were you there? He said, I told you I would, I was there. She says, no, did you see? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. And he asked Amanda, tell me, 
what do you think is the most difficult part of the whole act? And Amendel told him as follows. I'm just going to pick a number because he didn't tell us, but let's say you had to walk six feet and then turn around and walk back six feet. He told him the hardest part of the act is the turning around. Because even when you're at the beginning of your act and you have six long feet to walk, but you're looking at your destination, you're looking at your goal. You turn around, you have another six feet, you're looking at your goal. That one moment of turning around, you've let go of your first goal destiny and you haven't yet focused on your second goal destiny. I would share with you, from the way you put it, that is the moment of blind faith. Knowing it's okay to let go of what I've always done and what's always worked for me. And don't worry, I will be able to place my eyes on a higher goal and destiny. But for that moment, when you're leaving go of what you've been doing and thinking and paradigms for so long, that moment is blind faith. But that blind faith is built upon absolute trust in God's goodness. But it isn't living a life of blind faith. That isn't very healthy. The na'aseh must always consistently be immediately drawn into nishma, make room for a higher faith. There's a line from the Rebbe which is amazing. Yesterday's faith is today's understanding which leaves room for a new and higher faith. But it all is the focus on, can I get past Pogo? We have found the enemy and it is us. Can I get past that enemy? Can I leave go? Can I stop telling God what he could and can't do? Can I stop telling God the only way he could do it? Can I stop focusing on what I am and what I deserve and how little I deserve? Can I stop focusing on God's infinite loving kindness? That's, the, that's what we're talking about tonight. Anyone else? You can only go with what you have. If you are an eight-ounce cup, you are what you are. But does that mean that you can only live with eight ounces? Or is there another paradigm where instead of trying to fit everything into me, allow me to let go and fall into it? Can I fall on God's lap? Close your eyes. <laughs> I'll tell you how you do it practically. And it's not, I'm not joking. Because practical is important. What I didn't learn on Chassidus was the pump up the music stuff. But let me tell you, it helps. There's an answer from the Rebbe about someone who was battling with uh, improper thoughts. And the Rebbe told him, immediately engage with other thoughts. And then the Rebbe writes like this. It would be nice if the other thoughts were Torah thoughts. But right now it doesn't make a difference. Because right now you're running away from here. So if you're going to think science, mathematics, business, whatever it's going to be, to occupy your thoughts, to run away from there, that's also okay. I'm going to lean on that answer when I talk to you about pump up the music. We know each other. The challenges are real. You're a very bright, 
analytical individual. You always have been. You've always been building blocks. So what I'm talking to you is probably not very easy flowing with your grain. So I'm telling you that when your analytical, logical side kicks in, turn on the radio a little louder than you'd like it to be on, just to silence the demons. And then, while you're doing that, and the demons are being silenced by some heavy rock metal, just start introducing the thought that God is good, and God does love me regardless of. I'm just talking to you practically. You're not going to see this printed in a mimer, but I'm just talking to you practically. Sometimes you just need to make a lot of noise so you can't hear your thoughts. Because for so many years, you were thinking in a certain paradigm. The Talmud tells us of a great sage who fasted to stop thinking in the paradigm of the Babylonian Talmud in order that he can finally embrace the Jerusalem Talmud. So I'm not telling you to fast. I'm giving you an easier way. Turn on the radio really loud. Your kids will love you for it. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Correct. I, I would just push it. I'm even telling you to change your limited positive thoughts to the infinite positive thoughts. No. Don't question. Don't question. Don't question. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> Have you questioned? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. This is the first time I've met you. Have you questioned your parents' love for you? Have you questioned your parents' love for you? You don't. Okay. Someone who does, that's a very unhealthy place because at some point, I, I mean, I've been around the block, so I can't tell you that all parents are loving, and but in a normal society, questioning your parents' love creates problems because we can never intellectually absorb and logistically digest the depth of a parent's love for their child. Now that is a parent of flesh and blood. Let's talk about God. Should you question? No, no, no. The knowing what he's doing is not a good thing for this topic. So you're going to go into tikkun. He has a reason for not doing it. No. We're focusing on his uncompromising, unconditional, infinite love. You ever heard that saying? A face that only a mother can love? Okay. We're talking about God. We're talking about a person, a situation that only God can love. And yet, God loves. So what I'm telling you, don't question on why or how God could love you or what you've done or not justify, not to act with justice, don't question. Don't qu if you can't question your mother and father's love, hopefully, how much more so you can't question God's love. So what I'm telling you is to engage with mazal means to shift from the logical relationship that we have with our parents. 
I do this, they're going to give me the silent treatment. I do that, you know, and all that yuck that comes along. Let's move away from that. Let's move to the very deepest level that when a child cries out for help, regardless of the non-talking for so long, the infinite, unconditional love of a parent is going to come swooping down to save their child. Don't question that. Don't. Don't play with the magic. Magic is magic. The only way to open yourself up to that is to get out of the way. That's what we're talking about. And on that note, I tell you absolutely don't question. Don't question how a mother can love a face like that from that saying. Okay? Go ahead. You're saying in the best moments, God wasn't there. He, in the best moment, he wasn't there. Pretty much what those two Reichen brothers said. 98% mazah, which means that they weren't there. I, I hear you. I hear you, I hear you, but uh, I'm talking about when you're doing something or in a situation which you really don't love, because that's when you need mazal, that's when you really need to believe. So I'm not talking about getting lost in the goodness of the moment, I'm talking about in the darkest part of the moment to open up for the unconditional essence, which is the ayin from where a Jew's salvation comes from, regardless of who he is or what she deserves. Totally irrelevant when you talk about the essence, infinite love, unconditional, from the ultimate parent to the child. That's what we're talking about here. Very, very good, and thank you for saying that. I put something in my notes that I did not discuss. And it's a one-liner. The nothingness of something is something. You know your fractions, right? It's always the bottom number. The nothingness of something is something. So if you want to approach and engage this level of trust through the egocentric crevices of your mind, the nothingness of something is something. So the trust that we're talking about is not going to come to you by, there is a great book from the Chayvis Halavavis, Duties of the Heart, Gateways of Trust, where he builds up certain prerequisites which God has to meet for you to trust him, and then you engage that God has lived up to all of that. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking to you about intellectually, intellectually, factually, scientifically, in the laboratory, proving that God deserves your trust. 
that is a different shi'ur on trust. I'm talking about leaving go of the branch. Yes, fall on the lap. Go ahead. It's what you're doing. Yes, I, I want to tell you something. It's very interesting you brought it up. Very personal to me what you just brought up. I've just started a meditation in my own life because at night my brain wouldn't shut down for various bunch of reasons. And I've started this new meditation in my own personal life on one verse that you say right before you go to bed. padita oti Hashem kel emet. Within your hand, I place my soul as for you to guard it. Right? padita oti, you will redeem me. Hashem kel emet. Now, <laughs> that's a verse that we all say. You know, it's just lip service. Yeah. Now, just an interesting meditation. You want something practical, right? Just something practical, simple meditation at night. You're still worrying. Counteract that worry by saying, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not here. I'm off. You ever go into Walmart and have the nerve to ask one of those women, when they're already walking out where something is. Oh, I'm off. Ask someone else. Well, that's what you're going to have to tell yourself. I I'm off. It's God shift. You're going to have to speak to God. Because that's where I place my soul. It is a very, very, again, I'm not talking Hasidus now. I'm talking just what we call from my flesh, what I see. It is a very interesting tug-of-war dance challenge of not engaging with the worry no more. I'm done for today. I am done. Biyatcha afkidruchi. But what went that? Biyatcha afkidruchi. I'm just talking about a simple meditation. And it really, really works. And by the way, there's zero logic to it. Because the worries that are coming to your mind are real serious worries. And what are you answering it? <laughs> Sorry, after hours. Call me tomorrow. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, call me tomorrow. Maybe yes, maybe not. For right now, I'm not even engaging with that. All I'm engaging is with teaching my mind that there's a time where I am shutting off. Done. Over with. And the louder it gets, the loud I don't get louder. I've learned this with my kids. I've learned this with, with debates. When you're at a certain time, you don't want to change a word you said. You don't even want to change the tone you said it. You just got to say it a hundred times until they finally get it. That's my answer. Deal with it. So literally, I'll just keep on saying to myself, but I told you, that's it. I don't get louder. I don't get angry. I don't get frustrated with myself. It's just simple. Just say it over and over like a mantra until the nagging child within you realizes not getting anywhere. And let me tell you something. My two-year-old has already learned that with me. My two-year-old knows when to stop nagging because it got the picture. My cell phone is not a toy. Don't touch it. He'll look, he'll touch, he'll this, he'll that. And you don't get mad, you don't scream, you don't punish. You just repeat it. No, no, that's Nisha toy, that's a Tati's phone. Just over and over and over. There's nothing to engage. If you give them a drop of more information, they want to engage with that. No, there's nothing. Say it again and again and again and again. 
which by the way, one of the great tricks of PR today, advertisement. I've read somewhere it takes six times for someone to register that you sent them something in the mail or something like that. But don't change it. The exact same postcard, the exact same color, until it just finally, hello. And that's what I'm talking about, that meditation. At night, Okay, guys. God bless you guys.